The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I can't believe I forgot to mention what Mondays are at the end of the Friday show. This goes to show how completely out of practice I am for in-season podcasting. It's Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday. Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday. Rick Lurm returns for the 2019-2020 NBA campaign. Man, I can't believe I forgot about that. I'll tell you what it is in a minute, because I know some of you have not been with us for an in-season Monday before. But first, hello. You got to get your Uncle Leo treatment here at the start of Monday podcast. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company presentation. HawaiianIsles.com is the website, H-I Kona Coffee on Twitter. And of course, our buddies at Hoop Ball are at hoop-ball.com. The Twitter handle is at hoopballfantasy. I am Dan Bespris, and I mostly have my voice back. I still can't hear anything, but it doesn't matter because I'm just yelling into a microphone anyway, and I can watch the little sound bars on my computer screen as they bounce playfully, frolicking across the monitor. They're just telling me that at least the noises are being picked up by the machine at about the correct volume. So hopefully it sounds right to you guys. It looks right on my PC, even though uh, my sinuses are exploding. And I can't hear anything, but I can speak again. And that, as a broadcaster, is all I can really ask for. Semi-broadcaster. At Dan Bespris, if you'd like to give me a follow on Twitter, I hope you will. Uh, Fun weekend on the social media. We had a lot of tweet storms and what to watch for and some betting leans and a lot of discussions on which guys actually have the fantasy profile to be worth a pickup. Who's worth a drop? Who are we bailing on early? This is why I've been telling you guys... Uh, in the offseason, I know I said, you know, go follow me, go follow me. But now is really the time. And I realize that I'm just pushing myself here at the beginning of the show. I'm okay with that right now uh, because I think you guys will be happy you did. I do so much additional work on Twitter, and I hope you guys will be able to sort of take that in. So that's at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from Hoopball. I'm going to check it again, actually, while I'm talking on today's show to make sure that still works. Uh, Dan from Hoopball, and then a bunch of Dan Bespris-related tags pop up. And then I think it's uh, the fifth result down is uh, my my Twitter handle. So that's how you spell my last name if you're trying to figure it out. That's the first thing on the docket. Second thing on the docket is what do we got going on today on the show? Well, number one, we had homework over the weekend, so I hope you guys actually did that. I will not be checking your assignments to see if you followed through. But the way that we do that now is what's known as the reverse chronological lightning round. We go through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's games, right? Because if we just did Sunday, it might miss something. We're going to go through each team's most recent basketball game to get the sort of reset, caught up, get you ready for another week of tracking. I find this to be incredibly helpful because... When I am unable to pay close attention to the games, which is rarely, but it does happen. We all have, you know, weekends where we have too many things going on. When those rare situations occur, I find it extremely helpful on Sunday night, actually, to just go through three days of games and see what everybody in the entire league did in their most recent performance. So that's what we do. That's what reverse chronological lightning round is. We go Sunday, then Saturday, and then if anybody we haven't covered yet, if there's any teams left... We even look back at Friday as well. We will also be taking a look at the Monday card on today's show because we do preview. We have homework assignments, and it's a big Monday. There's 11 games on the docket tonight, and at least a handful of them, I want us watching, physically watching the games. I want you guys to get League Pass or visit the dark web, whatever you prefer on that front. Uh, and we'll check that out as well. Any breaking news, obviously, we'll cover that as it comes out. There really wasn't a ton over the weekend. A couple of missed games here and there. You know, Joel Embiid uh, with his ankle sprain, so he's questionable. So that's, you know, what, maybe another game. Um, there was a starting lineup switcheroo in Brooklyn. I don't know how long that's actually going to hold. 
Otto Porter, he's kind of in and out of being good news, bad news thing. But there wasn't any large-scale stuff, and that's actually okay. So finally, we didn't have anybody getting suspended or being ruled out for, you know, four to six weeks. It's a lot of day-to-day stuff. Great. We can just wipe out that part of the show uh, very quickly. By the way, I will let you guys behind the curtain. Um, If something were to have happened, I had gone back and I had edited in there. As it stands right now, I haven't needed to. So that's what's coming up on today's show, and then we'll just move through the rest of the week in sort of your typical fashion. Let's start with Sunday. I want to just dive right into the fantasy stuff. Reverse chronological lightning round begins with Sunday, which was, frankly, by all accounts, probably the easier of these box score breakdown days. Uh, I don't know why I called it that. We have another podcast with that exact same name. So um, go check that out, by the way. That wasn't uh, my intention in that moment. But now that I brought it up, go listen to the box score breakdown. Um, Starting with Sundays, we had the early game, Oklahoma City blowing out the Golden State Warriors in uh, what has been now a really bad look for the Warriors through two games with no Kevin Durant, but also no Klay Thompson. And you're starting to wonder how much Clay was sort of the glue guy on this team. It was a weird thing to say about one of the best shooters of all time, but they are so out of sorts, and it is not good. Uh, however, this is about as bad as it's going to get. They're not that terrible. They have no depth, but they do still have Steph and Draymond and uh, D'Angelo Russell, who was ejected early in the third quarter of a game that was already well out of hand. And so it created kind of a strange time vacuum in this one. Steph played 30 minutes for reasons unknown. Omari Spellman had five defensive stats, but everybody here that's sort of chasing big man stats, it's going to be Kevon Looney if or when he ever gets healthy. And I'm starting to think that there may be more available for him than I thought. Meaning, I wasn't that high on him. I thought he was worth a roster spot at the start of the year. But I may, be, I may have undershot. Because as we watch this team right now, rolling out 23 minutes of Marquise Chris and 25 minutes of Amari Spellman, it makes you realize that when Willie Cauley-Stein and or Looney are healthy, one of the two of them is going to find a way to some sort of minutes. Because the other guys on this team are just not good. Now, Spellman doing enough, but he can't play giant minutes because he's a, kind of a giant man. Uh, Eric Pascal, who people have been talking about. I mean, there, there's just not, there's not enough there. Damian Lee, Jordan Poole, uh, Glenn Robinson, the third Jacob Evans, Kai Bowman. I mean, this is not, these are not the guys that they're going to be going to. So while the Warriors have made sort of a career here, have changed the NBA in a way that, you know, the Rockets or another team that's done it by going to smaller lineups, they may not have that luxury anymore without clay. They did it without they did it without Durant, but they also had Iguodala, who could play the three or the four and push Draymond up to the five. They don't have Andre. That's hurting them a lot, by the way. I, I know that they needed D'Angelo Russell to, to sort of fill that void, but with no Clay, no Iguodala, no Kevin Durant, yes, D'Angelo Russell, they're, they're down too many pieces from teams that were successful going small. So I think they may actually start going big. I don't know that I'd lob out an offer for Kevon Looney. I think I just hope that someone maybe drops him. On the other side, Dennis Schroeder went nuts. Shea Gilgis-Alexander looked pretty good. Chris Paul only had to play 19 minutes, so I'm not too worried on that front. He had a big game, a slow game, and now kind of like a middling game where if he had a normal allotment of minutes, this actually would have been probably an okay performance, but they just beat the hell out of the Warriors. Uh, and so a lot of other guys got to do stuff. I mean, Chris Paul took five shots. You know about how much how much he was involved in this game. So, no, I'm not worried on that front yet. Uh, good to see Dennis Schroeder wake up after some really slow shooting games to start his season. Uh, he's a guy that we're pretty high on at hoop ball, higher than I would have expected because he's not usually my cup of tea, but there is an opportunity for him with this particular group of guys, and he should be on your roster. And he should not have been dropped after two games because he played a ton of minutes. He just missed all of his shots. Brooklyn and Memphis was a fun one. Uh, another overtime game. I feel like we've had a lot of these. Jonas Valanciunas very slowly being worked back into game shape here. He played, what, 16, then 18, now 20 minutes. So we have an idea of how his minutes limit is moving. Damn shame he couldn't have played another one or two minutes in this game because he was racking up stats like they were going out of style. He actually had the second-best fantasy game 
in this particular contest in a nine cat deal in only 20 minutes 16 points 11 boards three three pointers a steal two blocks four assists made his three free throws I don't know where all those three pointers came from frankly I don't think we need them uh we just want him rebounding and dunking and then doing the other stuff at high percentages but John Moran had 30 that was a nice game as well slow-mo played well in his 23 minutes but that's not enough for me to move the needle uh, Jay Crowder, Dylan Brooks are playing big minutes for the Grizzlies so far, which is kind of weird, but you can put you can keep one eye on him. Uh, neither one of those guys has a particularly fantasy-friendly game at this point in their respective career, so I'm not leaping to go grab him. Uh, I think this was a really nice game for Valanchunas, though. So if you were at all worried about him, I don't think you need to be. Uh, on the Brooklyn side, in a losing effort, Kyrie had 37. He's been doing a lot of the heavy lifting for that team. Lavert had 27. Dinwiddie had 16, so he's bounced back uh, after a bad first game. Jared Allen came off the bench but played more minutes than DeAndre Jordan uh, and double-doubled. DeAndre Jordan is a drop, by the way, um, if I haven't made that clear already. This was the game that was going to define it for me. He got a start, and I thought, oh, well, maybe he salvaged. No, uh, still only 24 minutes. In half a game... He doesn't have, he doesn't have enough in the tank anymore. You know, he missed his free throws on top of everything else. He doesn't block that many shots. I know he got two in this one, but he's a very low end center with no upside at all. I give you guys full permission to cut bait, um, and I know he's seventy seven percent owned, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have him. Dinwiddie, you're hanging on to Allen, Irving, Lavert, Tory, and Prince should be on your team as well, uh, and then Joe Harris is kind of hovering in that maybe territory, but I'm good with it. Portland came back to beat Dallas in a late surge. Damian Lillard, a very slow start in this game, came on strong in the second half. McCollum got the hot start to keep them uh, in it. Rodney Hood popped off for 20 points in this one, which, as you had figured, sort of took Kent Bazemore out of his normal role. Uh, But he still got 30 minutes, which I'm really encouraged by. You have to like the Bays thing so far. In terms of he was a guy that was uh, I was very high on as a late grab. I have him in a number of spots. I think I'm in uh, five money leagues, and I think I have him in three or four of them. Uh, I just I love his fantasy game. He does so much in the steals to block, blocks department. So yeah, these little games are going to happen. You know, he just he didn't he wasn't able to collect the defensive stats. If he had any, he would have rocketed up the fantasy charts on the night. You know, 11 points with a three-pointer and five rebounds is great. He was, you know, a steal or a block away from having a pretty good fantasy night. Uh, so I'm big into baseball right now. I think he should be on. I think he should be started. He's, uh, to me, he's an easy top 100 guy with upside. Rodney Hood, I'm less excited by. He played well in this game. He got hot, uh, but he is playing big minutes. The problem there is he, he's never really done anything with the minutes he's had in the past. He's played 31, 30, and 32 minutes in the three games so far. He's hit seven three-pointers, and you know, he makes his free throws in general, but steals and blocks are often pretty hard to come by for him. Uh, and if he's not scoring, what's he doing? You know, he, he, he's, he's a weird fantasy game. I'm not into it. Let somebody else deal with that nonsense. This was a tough one for the Portland Bigs as well. Zach Collins hurt his shoulder, but I think he's still a hold. And then Hassan Whiteside just didn't play as much. But I think you've got a hold on both of those guys. Uh, and wait and see on the next one. This just wasn't a great matchup. Uh, and on top of the injury, that's kind of a double whammy. Uh, on the Dallas side, DeLon Wright slowed back down a little bit in this one. And you had to figure that something like that could happen against a McCollum-Lillard backcourt. Uh, Seth Curry got 25 minutes of run playing against his old team and played pretty well, but it was mainly KP and Doncic for, uh, on the Dallas side. Maxi Kleba got off to a really hot start and then disappeared. I do think there's a decent role for Dwight Powell waiting when he comes back, uh, but they will work him into it, by the way. If you're sitting on Dwight Powell, be, be aware that his first game back is not going to be like 33 minutes in massive production. He's going to slowly work his way up, and uh, I think you'll be taking a lot of these big man minutes away from whoever the hell is sopping him up on this team. It's mostly Kleba. Miami at Minnesota. The Timberwolves are off to a really good start this year. Jeff Teague, 21-8. and eight. People were starting to lament him after a couple of slow games. I mean, this we all got to really get over the whole early season crap. You know, there's way too much panic. Jeff Teague is going to be fine. Cat's been huge. Andrew Wiggins actually had a good game. He took some three-pointers and he made them. Slightly efficient. Can't believe that. 
Uh, and then Rob Covington has been a little slow on the defensive side, but remember, he really hasn't played competitively since, uh, what, January? So the fact that he's okay so far is actually a little bit of a win. I was sort of keeping an eye on Travian Graham, Josh Okoge, guys like that, but they're, they're really more towards the periphery, and they're fighting for minutes with Jake Lehman, too. So we can pass on that front. Uh, on the Miami side, Duncan Robinson came out of nowhere for 21 points. Kendrick Nunn had another really good game in 40 minutes. Uh, Tyler Harrow had eight points, five boards, and four assists in 35 minutes. I, you know, I, I said it on Twitter, and I'm, I'm struggling with this one because I admit I've been sort of slow on the, the trigger with picking up any of these Heat guys with Jimmy Butler gone. He should be back for their next ball game. That's going to dramatically change the way basically everything works for this team. Uh, Justice Winslow's had the ball in his hands a ton. That's going to dial back a lot. Bam Adebayo has actually been running a fair amount of the offense. I think that's going to stay. The stuff that they run through that high post deal, I don't think that's changing. I think a lot of what you're going to see change is stuff on the perimeter, which that's going to hurt Justice Winslow who, when he makes his shots and free throws, he can put up some pretty juicy fantasy lines. When he misses, he can blow your team up in a heartbeat. Uh, Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Harrell, they're going to take hits as well. The question is how much and who's going to the bench? We've heard that it's probably going to be Harrell going to the bench, but again, I'll sort of believe it when I see it because Butler's going to play a lot of minutes and he's going to have a lot of touches and a lot of usage and it's going to shave into a lot of this. I mean, we're, let, let's be honest here. This is not the Jimmy Butler of Philadelphia until, you know, who, who basically was kind of bowing to the guys around him. If we, No one really thought he was staying in Philly, right? Like, we didn't. I know that he was happier there than Minnesota, but, you know, he was taking 13 and a half shots a game. That's the fewest he'd taken since 2013-14. Uh, generally he's in that 15 and a half to 16 and a half range as the alpha dog in Chicago. He took 16 and a half shots per game, averaged 24 points a night, massive high volume free throw guy, two steals. He was 24, six and five and a half that year. I, I know that his body's a little beat up these days, but let's also remember he's only 30. You know, he's still sort of mid prime, sort of late mid prime. So if his body can hang in there, he could have one of the best years of his career. Let's say he takes 15 to 16 shots. Let's say 16, just for ease of numbers sake. 15, I guess, is pretty easy. Where are they coming from? They're probably coming from the other starters. So Nunn, Harrell, these guys, all these guys are going to have to chip in to give Butler his 15, 16 shots. And free throws. The free throws are also a big deal. These are all possessions that end in him doing something. So... I think your best move right now is to see if you can move one of these guys, one of these pickups you've had, particularly none, who, as great as he's been, there's almost no way he stays at this pace when Butler comes back, or frankly, just in general, because he's such a young guy, this stuff just doesn't sort of happen and stay. We've seen enough basketball over the however many years we've been doing this to know when a guy is going to come back to earth a little bit. And this has come back to earth written all over. You know, he's shooting like 55% through his first three games and averaging 21 points, taking a boatload of shots. What's he making? Like three three-pointers a night? Yeah. Sorry, guys. That's not going to hold. So your best move now is to see what you can get for him. Uh, you can hang on and hope for the best, but I don't think his value is ever going to be higher than it is at this exact moment. Lakers blew out the Hornets as they should. Cody Zeller was actually really good. He looks like he may have a little bit of upside beyond the plodding third center that we have come to know him as in the past. He just has more responsibility as the sort of y old young guy, young old guy on this team. Uh, Terry Rozier did not get into foul trouble in this game, and so he had 19-6-4. Miles Bridges looks great so far this year. Probably the best fantasy value on that team. Dwayne Bacon bounced back, got another 15 shots. If that's what you're looking for, he's going to score. He's going to do it inefficiently, so he's more of a points league guy. And then P.J. Washington uh, predictably finally had a slow game dealing with the Lakers' front court. <laughs> that's a tough spot. Kudos, by the way, to Cody Zeller for dealing with the Lakers' front court and also having a really good ball game. Uh, Devontae Graham came back to earth in a big way. He shot, what, one for 13 with six made free throws. You knew he wasn't going to keep up his pace all season long. 
he's going to get dropped in a lot of places because of this bad game. I think you should pick him up. Perfect buy low or perfect wait to see if somebody dumps him who gets impatient in your league. On the Lakers side, by the way, I don't think Dwayne Bacon needs to be owned in nine category leagues. Let me put that out there. Uh, on the Lakers side, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are obviously going to get theirs, and AD's starting to settle in already. But here's the stuff that's a little upsetting. Dwight Howard is better than JaVale McGee, and it kills me once again to say it. Kills me. I put it in my tweet storm after the Lakers went over Utah. Dwight Howard is better than JaVale McGee. And he's outplaying him in almost every respect on the floor. He's playing better defense. His rotations are better. His rebounding is better. His conversions on uh, stuff around the rim has been better. He still can't hit a free throw to save his life, which makes him a very tough own in standard category leagues. So what he's basically done, and he's going to get picked up in a bunch of places after putting up 16 and 10 with four blocks, he's basically just killed McGee without creating a new value. Because in nine-category leagues, if he doesn't go for 16 to 10 with four blocks, he's going to miss a bunch of free throws and you're going to hate yourself. But he played 23 minutes, all at center. JaVale McGee played 16 minutes, all at center. And Anthony Davis had a couple. By the way, Danny Green, you knew this one was coming. We warned you guys, right? He goes big, he goes small. You just look at the end of the month. But I hate to say it, guys. JaVale McGee's a cut. I don't think he's coming back from this. Not unless Dwight Howard does something dumb or gets hurt. Those minutes are split, and then whoever's playing better is going to get the extra three or four, and right now, that's big Dwight. Ugh, kills me. Absolutely kills me to say it. But it's the truth, and so, you know, we got to put it out there, even if it, even if it hurts in our very core. We have a brand new partner here at Fantasy NBA Today. This is pretty exciting. We have a brand new partner. You've heard us talk about our buddies at MyBookie. You've heard us talk about our buddies at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Brand new partner. Our buddies at Manscaped. You've probably seen their advertisements on TV. They're on a lot of different podcasts and outlets right now. And they're now a partner of us here at Fantasy NBA Today. And here's the thing. You guys basically know what Manscaped does. They're for specialty grooming for men. And if you use the promo code HOOPBALL at manscaped.com, you can get 20% off your order and free shipping. Again, the promo code on that one is HOOPBALL. But one of the really cool things that, that they're doing that I wanted to make sure you guys knew about was that they've actually partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to raise awareness about the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35. It's young, right? And help to support the fighters, the survivors, the caregivers that are involved in that. So not only are they sort of drawing attention to a part of men that perhaps needs more attention, because as various studies have shown, you know, 85% of women think that bad grooming is a big turnoff. 80% think men should manscape. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to professional success. You just feel more confident. But they're also doing good things in the community in, uh, in helping the fight against testicular cancer as well. So please do check that out. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off with the promo code HOOPBALL. And you also get free shipping. They actually sent us over some sweet products here. They've got just a very standard uh, trimmer. I believe they call that the lawnmower, which is also waterproof. Trims at 6,000 strokes a minute. Pretty wild, right? So it's a great way to take care of business, specialty grooming, do it right, do it clean, and also support a good cause as well. Manscaped.com. Do check that out immediately. Do it right now, actually. Do me this massive favor. Check out our brand new partner, They'll be glad you did. We'll be glad you did. That keeps us chugging along over here at Fantasy NBA Today. Again, that's manscaped.com. Promo code is HOOPBALL. That's easy to remember. 20% off and free shipping. Okay, now that Sunday's done, you can just kind of take your pocket, your, your folder or whatever you use it here, probably a tab on your internet browser, and flip it back to Saturday. And go through all the teams that played the previous day. 
Miami at Milwaukee, winners in overtime. The Heat still without Jimmy Butler over the weekend, of course. We already talked about the Heat. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. There is, I will say, a buy low window here on Eric Bledsoe. I know you guys are going to kill me because he's a D-bomb guy, and I'm sure you're all looking at me like, Dan, you, you got me buying into this thing. He's going to be fine, guys. His minutes were up in this one as he works his way back. Remember, he tore cartilage in his rib cage. I think it was broken, actually. Broken cartilage in his rib cage in the preseason. So he didn't really get to play. This is sort of Bledsoe's preseason. If you're wondering why, for the moment, George Hill is kind of outplaying him a tiny bit. This is why. He's going to be fine. You saw little glimpses of it in this game. 10-7-2 and a steal is not good, but not atrocious. You know, he's a made three-pointer or hitting five instead of four free throws or one turnover instead of three. He's right on the cusp. He'll be fine. Massive buy-low opportunity for a top 40 guy. Uh, Chris Middleton's been playing okay to start the year. I still don't I still don't just like his fit next to Giannis, but he's signed up for the long haul, so you know he's a perfectly safe opportunity here. Giannis is going crazy as expected. Um, still can't make a free throw, still turns it over, still doesn't hit his three pointers, and this is why I said don't take him uh inside the top four, and he was always my number five guy. And I realize it's not how it's shaking out so far because uh Kyrie Irving, Trey Young, Dame Lillard, and DeAndre Ayton are four of the top five, along with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, but as great as Giannis has played, he has those key things that are going to hold him back. Once these other guys get themselves in gear, it'll be the usual fare. You know, we're still very much in the early going. There's just a hill that he's not going to get over. As amazing as his fantasy game is, and he does the main five things plus field goal percent so six of the nine categories he is superlative but he's just horrible in the other three and it's good and it's a sag man he's hitting five and a half out of ten free throws a game right now it's amazing that he's as high as he is despite the shortcomings but that's how good he is in the other categories in any event if you want evidence that these current rankings are not going to hold up uh danny green is number eight Okay, that's all we really needed to bring up, I think, to know that this is probably not going to hold. What's the point of all this? Uh, there isn't a ton. Uh, Eric Bledsoe is a buy low. Wesley Matthews is a very safe three-pointer guy. He's going to get his looks on this team because there's going to be plenty of open opportunities. It's just very low usage. You sort of know what you're getting into. Philly at Detroit. They took care of business even without Joel Embiid. Tobias Harris, who is another one of our value guys, he's actually playing like it in the early going. I would say a sell high, but I think he's just going to be pretty damn good this year. Al Horford, as we knew in games with no Embiid, stepped up and did more. Mike Scott actually had a big game, but you're not buying into that. Josh Richardson, Ben Simmons are the other guys. And I tried to warn you guys about Matisse Taibu. You guys just kept yelling at me on Twitter. Like, he's ready. He's going to average four defensive stats a game, and then he had four in that opener, and I thought, well, maybe these guys are all right. Uh, there's just not enough, man. There's not enough opportunity yet for a young cat like that dude. There's just not enough opportunity. There's a little bit of a preseason effect going on in that one. For Detroit, uh, Derrick Rose, sixth man of the year. I'm telling you guys, every time this happens, I'm going to yell about it. 31 points, three boards, three assists, three steals, two blocks. What? A three-pointer. Uh, and 14 out of 21 shooting from the field. He had six turnovers, but who cares? Derrick Rose is going buck wild here in the early going. With no Blake Griffin, they need scoring. He's stepping up. Markeith Morvac actually played well in this ballgame. Uh, that, again, is about as long as Blake is out, so... You can stream it if you want to. Andre Drummond fouled out in 24 and a half minutes of this one, even though there wasn't a Joel Embiid, and he'll be better, obviously, in the next one. Um, and then Drummond went three for 10 at the free throw line, which really punched a hole in what was otherwise an unreal start to his season. Orlando at Atlanta. Trey Young took all the shots again, which is fine when he's making all of them. I, the only reason I'm complaining is that I still don't really fully know how to handicap this Atlanta team. Because they had to play their guys the right number of minutes. And the only two guys on the whole team that cleared 25 and a half minutes were Trey Young and John Collins. The What to Watch For thread I put out on Twitter basically said, 
who on this team is going to get to do anything besides those two main cogs? And so far, the answer is nobody. Until someone steps up, I don't know how you stash these guys. I know there's a Kevin Herter love fest going on, and he's probably the next best thing, but you know, you got DeAndre Hunter and DeAndre Bembry. One of them is DeAndre, and the other is DeAndre, depending on where the accents are. But neither one of them has enough. I mean, they're all playing 22 minutes on this team. Uh, good to see Jonathan Isaac get a five defensive stat game. Would have loved for one of his damn outside shots to go down, but uh, that's a pretty good game for him. And then elsewhere, Evan Fournier is off to a good start. This is kind of the year we thought he was going to have last season when he made the D-bombs list and then crapped himself. And now all of a sudden he's wide awake. He took the second most shots on the team behind Vooch. Um, and overall, they just didn't, I mean, they didn't play well. They shot 35%. This is probably a game Orlando should have won if any of their shots were going down, despite Trey Young playing as well as he did. Markel Fultz, 12-3-3. He's showing signs of uh, being adept, which is great. I love the fact that he's doing it quietly without the spotlight. This is exactly how he needs to make his push back into relevance. Uh, people asking about dropping Terrence Ross. He runs very hot and very cold. He went one for eight in this game. If he makes half of his shots, they're almost all three-pointers. Then you're talking about a guy who doesn't have eight and four. You're talking about a guy who has probably 17 and four with all five free throws going down. So, no, you're not, uh, you're not bailing out on that one. Boston blew out the New York Knicks in a game that we can't take a ton from, but I will say it was nice to see Alfred Payton get around 31 minutes. That makes me think he really has locked up the job. This is very much an opportunity for one of the other point guards to play, and they didn't. So uh, Alfred Payton very much deserves a spot on your team, and I feel like, at least in the more favorable matchups, if you want to get cute with it, he's startable. Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum... Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, all guys you can start on that Celtic side, and then Cantor when he comes back. The Indiana Pacers are a mess as they try to figure out their new pieces, and without Victor Oladipo, there just isn't that one guy that can kind of pull it all together. Malcolm Brogdon's trying, and he's doing a lot, but right now it's not enough because they're, well, just not defending people. Not the way they did last year. They lost Darren Collison and Thad Young, and that hurt them. And so far, the new guys haven't really settled in. Nice to see T.J. Warren playing tw uh, 37 minutes in this game. That's a big deal. He took 15 shots, second most on the team. He just didn't make many of them. One thing that is going to hurt him is rebounding is going to be down with Indy compared to what it was in Phoenix. Phoenix didn't have anybody that could rebound outside of Aiton, so Warren was able to collect a few. Indiana has a few guys. Miles Turner, Demonis Sabonis can both rebound. That's a big front court. So Warren is small forward. It just moves him a little farther away from the bucket. But the 36 minutes was very encouraging. He's being dropped in some leagues, and I would pick him up in a heartbeat. I mean, this is a guy we saw last year uh, near the top 40. He's not going to get that high, but he's going to be better than this. He's generally a good percentages guy. People get itchy trigger fingers early in the season, man. Some of us, we're going to be able to collect on it. Tristan Thompson on the Cleveland side. I mentioned the fact that, uh, how blown away I was last week that he was going to be relevant, but when we saw that first game, you had to pick him up. I think we said that on what, Thursday's show? You couldn't ignore it. He played 31 minutes in that one. He played 34 in this one. Kevin Love was great, efficient, which is rare for him over the last couple seasons. Uh, the bad news in this ballgame, of course, is that Larry Nance got iced out a little bit. 19 minutes, he actually played well, but it wasn't enough to keep him on the floor. He just got pushed out by Love and Tristan Thompson. I'm not bailing out after one bad game. He actually played pretty well in their opener and saw a decent amount of playing time. John Henson made his return uh, for the first time in God knows how long, and then I think he got hurt again, so whatever. He used to be my favorite man. You guys remember my Henson love three years ago? Poor guy's just falling off the map. Colin Sexton, not a good fantasy game. Darius Garland, suffering from a similar issue, at least for now. Love and TT. What a weird thing that's happening. Toronto blew out Chicago in a game that shouldn't really surprise anybody. So on the Chicago side, you can write a lot of it off. Tomas Sadoransky finally was playing a little bit better, to his credit. Didn't matter, because they were busy getting waxed. 
Otto Porter was actually playing a tiny bit better. It got clocked in the face, and then that also didn't matter, but the team was just terrible. These guys are getting dropped left and right. I don't honestly know that I can tell you you have to pick up Sadoransky if he got dropped. He could get pushed out. There's a lot of point guards. It seemed like he had the inside track. He did. He's the starter. Uh, but it might not work. So I still would hold him. But if he's sitting on your waiver wire and you'd have to drop somebody else that you care about, I don't think you have to. Toronto side, uh, OG Ananobi had a big ball game. Uh, he's really got a Danny Green type of vibe to him right now where he can put it together and get a ton of cash countering stats, the, the threes, the steals, the blocks. Uh, and then there'll be some quieter ones. I think he's a 3 and D guy with some extra upside, so he should probably be on a fantasy team, and he is, largely. Serge Ibaka, big numbers in low minutes, for whatever reason. Marc Gasol, a little bit of a sign of life in this ball game. And honestly, I think you would have seen a few more minutes probably for Serge, maybe for Gasol, if this wasn't a blowout. But, you know, they got a top six that should be on fantasy teams right now. You're holding Marc Gasol. I know that people are bailing out. His usage is at an extraordinarily low mark. Five in this game was the usage percent. That's crazy low. He has to do a little bit more, uh, and I have faith that he will. New Orleans, without Drew Holiday uh, for we don't really know how long. They, they called it a knee strain or a knee sprain, but it might just be sore. So he could very well be, be back in the next ball game. But if he's not, we got a pretty good look at the former Lakers doing what they could. Lonzo Ball, huge game. Brandon Ingram, monster game with a uh, good field goal percent and some three-pointers. Still had the free throw and defensive stat issue that he's run into in the past, but, I mean, you can't argue with 35 and 15. Josh Hart, very good. Again, he's absolutely a guy that should be on fantasy teams. J.J. Redick played 28 minutes, couldn't get the shots dropped. Nice to see him take 16 in this one, though. On most games, that's going to be a higher-scoring game for him. And then, of course, the guy that I'm, I admit I'm a little bit concerned about is Derek Favors. Prefacing, of course, that the, the feedback here that this was a game that was designed for him to fail. This was Houston on the other side. So don't drop him. If you have to bench him, that's fine. He's a slow starter. He'll find his rhythm with this team because there's just too many stats to go around. He's going to do it with field goal percent, some defensive stats, and some rebounds. If you're expecting anything else, you're expecting too much. On the Houston side, Russell Westbrook has turned James Harden into a pumpkin for a couple of games here, but he'll be fine. This is, if you can believe it, a buy-low window for James Harden, of all guys. Lob a late first-round guy at him. Lob a turn guy. See if you can get James Harden. You probably won't. You'll probably get laughed out of the arena, but you got to try. The guy that everybody's talking about after this game is Daniel House, who we were talking about before this game. So, listen. Some things you get right, some things you get wrong. This is why we talk about homework assignments, what we're watching for. There is an actual Twitter thread where I talk about what I'm looking for in each game. And Daniel House was the name. Because I call him, I consider him a higher field goal percent 3 and D guy. Because he will also get some looks right in front of the basket. He doesn't take a look that's not completely wide open. Kind of like P.J. Tucker. But House is more athletic. I think there's a reasonable argument to be made for him to be on a fantasy team. He's playing giant minutes, and it doesn't look like anybody's coming for them. You kind of have to need what he provides, but at this point, everybody does. Good percentages, threes, some defensive stats. That's fine. Washington at San Antonio. Uh, Isaiah Thomas was, of course, the story in this one. I know Davis Bertans had 23 points off the bench on a perfect 7-for-7 seven seven shooting. That's a very low usage route to a big fantasy game, which, of course, makes me nervous because that doesn't seem like something you can replicate. Isaiah Thomas, however, took 14 shots in 19 and a half minutes. To me, he's must-add. There is a, at least a 40% chance that this completely crashes and burns. Probably higher. Maybe 65%. But 35%, even if it was only 15%, that Isaiah Thomas gets up to game speed and they just take the shackles off and they're like, hey, you and Bradley Beal take every damn shot then he absolutely needs to be on a fantasy team. I have added him everywhere that I can with the full knowledge that I might be putting him back into the free agent pool soon. 
But in a keeper league, I picked him up because, you know, what if he plays great and gets himself a starting job next year? And in regular leagues, I picked him up and I'm stashing him for a week or two until he gets up to 25 minutes. I mean, if his game comes back in any meaningful way, if he gets back into the low 40s in field goal percent, I don't even need the crazy 46% he had in Boston during that near MVP season. I'll take 42. Because he's been in the 30s in Cleveland and then L.A. two years ago and in Denver for a couple of games last year. He was in the 30s. He was not right. Prior to that, he was generally in the 43-44 range. And without massive usage, only that one season in Boston did he have colossal usage. Outside of that, I mean, you look at the 46 games he played in, in Phoenix, he only took 11 shots a game there, but averaged 15 and 4. What about the second half of that year in Boston? He took 13 and a half shots, averaged 19 points. He's a high-volume, brilliant foul shooter. That helps. He'll get you some threes, not a ton of steals. He'll get you a handful of assists. He has an opportunity here in Washington to probably do something like what he did in between the Phoenix and Boston numbers in 2014-15, like between 15 and 19 points. I think there's a very reasonable case to be made that he could average somewhere between 15 and 19 points and four assists. That's a top 60 guy. If he doesn't kill you anywhere, which he shouldn't, even at his worst, he's still a 90% foul shooter on medium volume. He should be on every team for the chance this sticks. There just aren't that many guys on the waiver wire. And we, you know, we're arguing on these shows day in and day out about P.J. Washington and Dwayne Bacon and Marcus Morris. And it's like the best case scenario for guys like that is maybe they get inside the top 80 in a perfect world. Probably not going to stay that, that high, but maybe. In a perfect world, Isaiah Thomas has top 50 potential. In a perfect world. In a perfect world, he was inside the top 30. We're not getting to that. No chance. But the point is, at the beginning part of a season like this, you're looking for the guys that can be massive difference makers. You're not looking for the roster churn guys, which is why I blew past a Daniel House a little bit. Yeah, we got to mention him. You know, Daniel House and uh, Wesley Matthews, if you want to go earlier in, in our show from today. Those are guys that are fine. They're going to hover around that top 190 to 115 mark. They're great to fill out some missed games on your team. They're great for streaming. But if you're in a 12-team league and you're looking for those upside guys that can really burn a hole in your competition when you're going against them, this guy fills that gap. Gross. Uh, Sacramento at Utah. This is a disgusting blowout of game, and Bogdan Bogdanovich hurt his finger Sacramento's a mess. I'm so glad I have the season win total under on this team. Boyan Bogdanovich, however, in the Battle of the Bogue Bogues, Boyan was brilliant. He played 24 minutes at 26 points on 18 shots. Uh, he's a difference maker for Utah this year. Ingles, Donovan Mitchell, they're fine. Mike Conley showing signs of life with 12 and 8 and a couple of threes. Rudy Gobert is in a buy low uh, hole right now, and I suggest you consider it. Clippers lost in Phoenix. That was pretty weird. Kelly Oubre was in foul trouble, but still had a good game. Devin Booker, good. Dario Saric, finally. Thank goodness we didn't bail out there. He was testing our patience a little. Frank Kaminsky had another nice ball game. Aaron Baines actually had a decent ball game. I don't know that we're going to get good games from all three centers every single night. In uh, this, Mikael Bridges played 25 minutes, didn't have any defensive stats. I'm holding on him. I haven't picked up Baines or Kaminsky yet, and I'm fine with the fact that maybe I won't and maybe I'll miss those guys, but I don't think they're going to be massive difference makers either. I think they're going to be okay, but Sharich has the first opportunity here, and we've sort of seen this from Kaminsky before where he'll run a little hot and cold. He's mostly scoring in rebounds anyway. Uh, Aaron Baines is an interesting one because if his minutes somehow get above 25, he could actually be useful as a traditional big body center Kaminsky's more the floor spacer um so I'm sort of keeping an eye on that whole situation but Sharich is the one that's on my team and the other guys are the ones that I'm watching go on and off of everybody else's if Yves Zubas went back to stinking in this one so it goes when you only get 15 to 17 minutes a game uh Kawhi great Montrez Harrell solid uh Pat Beverly was good Lou Williams was weird in this one. He missed a bunch of free throws and turned it over, but he still, you know, got his points, which is 
You're going to have to hope that that floats him. And then the battle for power forward continues, as it has been here for X number of games for the Clippers, and it's why we sort of have basically said we're bailing out on watching the power forward spot. Before we get to Friday... This feels like as good as time, Eddie, to remind you guys that the recruiting continues here at HoopBall. And right now, this is a pivotal juncture for recruiting at HoopBall because we have the blossoming team coverage at hoop-ball.com. You may have listened to some of our amazing team coverage podcasts, including... Uh, the Pelicans podcast, the Clippers podcast, the Kings podcast, the Lakers podcast, the Nets podcast. Yes, they are incredible, but also we have team coverage on the writing side. The great Mike Passador heading up a brand new division at HoopBall, and we are looking for you, the blossoming young journalist, to get involved here. If you're trying to break into the industry, as a journalist, this is one of those rare opportunities. You're not going to get many chances like this to work under Aaron Bruski on a growing fl- uh, platform and get your foot in the door. Send an email to teamhoopball at gmail.com. So this is a different way of recruiting. You don't hit me up on Twitter for this one. You can bug me for other stuff, at Dan Vespers. But if you want to get involved on the recruiting side for team coverage journalism, teamhoopball at gmail.com. All one word, teamhoopball. No dashes, whatever. Teamhoopball at gmail.com. Send that email right away. Aaron Bruski will probably respond to it, if you can believe that, uh, and get your foot in the door. Our next team coverage article coming out is an Anthony Davis team coverage spotlight that should have actually come out over the weekend. So that it's probably out at Hoopball right now from the great Mike Passador. We also have a Patrick Patterson feature coming later this week. Can you believe that? So come on, get involved. Join us in that element of our growing coverage. Uh, Looking back at Friday, Toronto played in Boston. We covered both of those teams, Minnesota and Charlotte. We talked about them. They played on Sunday. The Knicks and the Nets got those guys. Dallas and New Orleans, we've covered those guys. Chicago and Memphis, yep, we're good. Washington, Oklahoma City, already got those guys in the books. Phoenix and Denver. I actually don't think we talked about Denver. I might be losing my mind here. Have we talked about Denver yet? World? Respond to me, world. Uh, No, I don't believe we did. So, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray played 40 minutes apiece. Gary Harris had 34, and Jeremy Grant actually had 31 minutes in this game. Uh, But this was an overtime contest, by the way, and it highlights all of the reasons we're afraid of Denver this year because Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant are locked in a timeshare power forward. Gary Harris... Uh, and Malik Beasley are often in a timeshare at shooting guard, or Will Barton, I don't know which one. Malik Beasley, Will Barton, Gary Harris are all sort of rotating through those wing positions. Monty Morris is getting a uh, kind of squeezed out here because he's the backup point guard, and Jamal Murray's getting the starters minutes. But Torrey Craig is kind of in on that wing situation as well. So you got four guys, Craig, Harris, Barton, Beasley, that are all fighting for the same 96 minutes every night, and it's tough to say who's going to get them. In this one, it was Beasley and Harris, and then Barton and Craig got the lower number. So I'm not sure you can trust any of those four guys right now, because even when they're getting the minutes, the fantasy numbers aren't really there, because Jokic, Murray are getting most of them. And then with Millsap, I think you still do have to trust him, because when he's on the floor, he generally gets stats, but Jeremy Grant could end up outplaying him as the course of this year goes on. So I'm holding both of those guys just because their fantasy upside is a little bit better, uh, but the other four, honestly, I, I you could make a decent case to hang on and see how this goes for another few games, but they're going to be some of the first dudes that I'm chopping. Portland, Sacramento, we already covered those two teams, Utah and the Lakers. They are done, and that finishes up reverse chronological lightning round. Just, what do we get there? One? Only one team, I guess, that we needed to cover that uh, didn't play on Saturday or Sunday. I feel like I'm almost definitely missing something, but I also don't know that that's entirely true. Guys, check out our buddies over at mybookie.ag. The betting will begin here shortly. I'll have some leans later on on today's podcast. Mybookie.ag. Promo code is TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. When you open up your brand new account, 
and make your first deposit. MyBookie.ag will match it up to $1,000. Join them because they freaking care. Great customer service. We sort of tested it to make sure, and they had it. Fantastic customer service. Great lines. Easy access. Everything is just easy there. And then you get that bonus deposit. Again, the promo code is TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y. Join us. Sign up for an account. Put in a little bit. And they'll match it. And then you can just sort of bet along with us. A couple bucks a game if that's what you want. It'll make them more fun. We'll win a couple dollars together or more than a couple dollars together at mybookie.ag. And now my favorite time on every show. I know this is super weird, by the way, that this is actually my favorite. I'm not lying to you guys. My favorite part of the podcast is homework. I love assigning homework for the coming day because what we're watching for on any given evening is what gives us the leg up on our competition because we go into the night with a clear plan defined for how we're going to attack the card. Who are we going to pick up? What what needs to happen to sort of change our assessment of these different guys involved uh, in the games every night? So here's what's coming up on Monday night. Chicago is in New York taking on the Knicks. Bulls are a one-point favorite on the road. Uh, Alfred Payton is obviously a guy to watch. So is Otto Porter, who's gotten off to a slow start. People are talking about dropping him. Please drop him in my league. I will sell my soul to pick up that dude for free right now. He'll bounce back. He'll be fine. We know he's passive when teammates are being a bit more aggressive around him. We know what he can do. He's going to be fine. On the Knicks side, it's Alfred Payton. Uh, He seems to have cemented himself as the starting point guard, but obviously every game he plays well sort of buys him additional rope down the line. So I think I'm starting him now, and this should be a pretty good matchup for him as well. Indiana is at Detroit. This is our first revenge game of the year. Indy, here's a problem. Revenge games are great when it's the middle of the season and teams pretty much have an idea of what they're doing. Indiana's still trying to figure out what the hell they're doing. So I love them. I think Indiana's the play, uh, but also I'm petrified. I think TJ Warren's going to play better in this game. Detroit side, when is Derrick Rose going to slow down? He's going to have a bad game, guys. He can't destroy every single night although so far anyway uh philly is in atlanta the trey young show is underway here this season um this may be the game that slows him down a tiny bit he's running into some very large people but we'll see i mean he's running real hot on the philly side we don't know the status of joel Embiid at the time of recording this particular podcast hopefully he will play if not we had a pretty good idea of what we saw in their last ball game So far, by the way, I think of any of these games, I would say Chicago-New York is the closest thing to a a game I do want to watch, but I I don't know that I'd call any of them homework yet. Orlando is in Toronto, not a homework assignment game, but obviously, you know, we got one eye on Markel Fultz, and on the Toronto side, one eye on Marcus Soule. Golden State, this is an opportunity to probably bet on them as people begin to think this team is completely cooked. They just couldn't possibly play any worse than they have in their first two basketball games this year. I don't know what Drew Holiday's deal is so far. We'll wait for an update on that one. But obviously, if he's in, you dial back your expectations for everybody on the Pelicans because he's going to do some stuff. He's another buy-low candidate, by the way. More so in Roto than head-to-head. But yeah, I mean, you can get him on the cheap right now. Uh, J.J. Redick, Josh Hart probably stand to lose a little bit. If Drew plays, if he doesn't, I think you can get all those guys in pretty good. This is also going to be kind of a weird matchup for Derek Favors, who obviously struggled against the Rockets, and now goes against another team that tends to go a little bit smaller. But the Warriors, again, they might not have that option right now because their small guys aren't very good, outside, obviously, of their two superstar small guys. Cleveland is in Milwaukee. Apparently, the Cavs want to have fantasy value this year, so they're running their main guys for a boatload of time. Uh, Tristan Thompson rebounding well, Kevin Love. What about the other guys? We'll keep an eye on Larry Nance. Can the guards do enough in stat set to make up for, I mean, to, to sort of supplement the fact that they're actually playing enough minutes to be relevant? OKC is in Houston off the big blowout win over the Warriors. Uh, we'll see this uh, revenge game here for a lot of guys involved, but... You know, that's not something you're wagering on because it's going both directions. Russ against his Thunder team. Chris Paul against James Harden, who obviously he couldn't stand. Uh, This should be interesting. Not a whole lot of angles we're watching. You know, Daniel House is a guy we sort of got a half eye on to see if he fills out the end of a roster. Portland in San Antonio. 
Blazers got a, a late comeback win over the Mavs. Now on the back-to-back. Loving on Ken Bazemore so far. Zach Collins, by the way, forgot to mention earlier in the show, he had a slow one, and his minutes were a little bit down. And that may be because of Dallas's lineups. They just couldn't afford I don't think Hassan Whiteside played as well in that game either. Uh, this is an opportunity for those guys to bounce back because, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge, there is a traditional big man that'll be on the floor for the Spurs. And then can Collins kind of keep up if San Antonio goes smaller? The Spurs side, you know, I, I've already dropped Derek White in one spot. He's running out of time with the way they're, they're playing these guys. It looks like it's Bryn Forbes' job at the shooting guard spot. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, we were worried that this might happen, but so far, DeJounte Murray looks like the far better point guard. Utah is in Phoenix. Uh, nothing really on the Utah side. Phoenix side, well, Gobert is a buy low right now. Phoenix side, can the big men continue to put up numbers? This is against a better defensive team now. This will be an interesting test uh, for the, you know, Mikhail Bridges. We've seen him get a little bit shaved off in time. Then, obviously, Kaminsky, Sharich, and Baines are the centers well, as I mentioned, I totally haven't, I haven't completely bought into yet, but that might be one that I just run late on. So if you guys want to make those moves, that's fine. I'm just not quite there. Denver and all their timeshares in Sacramento. The Kings are in trouble these days, and they got another tough one on their hands. I don't know, guys. I don't know. Do I have to do a no Kings allowed thing? That's not really fair, because Buddy Heald and Deer and Fox are obviously fantasy values, and I do think Dwayne Dedman is going to have to carve out some kind of fantasy value because he was good enough in Atlanta last year. And now with no Marvin Bagley for a while, he has to be doing something. And then Charlotte, second half of back-to-back at Staples Center. They didn't even have to go home. They'll play the Clippers, favored by 15 and a half. Good gracious. That's one team on a back-to-back, the other one not. Uh, Clippers looking to bounce back after the loss in Phoenix. They are human. Charlotte will, you know, we'll continue to watch him. Like I said, I don't think Dwayne Bacon's a nine-category guy. Washington will bounce around a little bit. Uh, Bridges, Rozier, Zeller looks good. And uh, I think Devontae Graham, let's hope for another kind of slow game. I know it's a weird thing to hope for, uh, only if you don't have him. I don't have him in a lot of spots. I sort of waited, I waited, and I missed it. Uh, I think if he has one more bad game, people are going to drop him. But his minutes are there and his opportunities there. I, I do think he should be on a team. And that's your homework. Uh, in terms of betting on these games, again, Indiana is our first real revenge game on the docket, but it's so early. These are angles I like to play when the season gets into full swing and you're looking for motivational edges, which doesn't really exist right now. Because right now, a lot of these teams, Indiana in particular, is just kind of like, how do we put these weird-ass pieces together? So I might put like five bucks on it just because it is a revenge game, and I kind of feel like I got to do it. But I would not recommend going crazy with this one because a lot of times we saw last year, the first two to three weeks of the season, those revenge games didn't really matter because teams were still feeling each other out. Indiana didn't really care that they were playing Detroit. I think last year the Lakers played the Spurs three times in like the first three weeks, and it went something like loss, loss, win because uh, they were just trying to figure out what, we, what they had. It was LeBron. And with Indiana, it's like, okay, we lost Thad, we lost Darren Collison, Oladipo's still out, we've got Brogdon, we've got Warren, Lamb's hurt. What is this thing? Sabonis and Turner, they're on the floor at the same time now. It's all a weird mishmash where they go into this game and instead of saying, hey, we really want to get Detroit because they just got us last week, they're probably thinking, who the hell's even going to play tonight? So do be careful. This is a time of the year to be quite cautious. Folks, if you love what you've been hearing here on Fantasy NBA today over the last, I don't care how long you've been listening, weeks, years, months, doesn't matter, please do drop us a five-star review. Open up that podcast app or iTunes on your computer, but on your mobile device, use the search function in the podcast app. Type in Fantasy NBA today. Click on that button. Click on our logo in the top left corner of the results, the show page, and then scroll down to where you can drop a five-star review on the program. That will help us continue to grow, continue to get these fun new advertisers like Manscaped and MyBookie, Uh, that are bringing you guys sweet discounts thanks to listening to this podcast. Go check them out. Drop that five-star review. Follow me on Twitter. We'll keep talking about this stuff on social media all day long. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Thanks again to Hawaiian House Kona Coffee Company and Hoop-Ball.com. By the way, first Aaron Bruski newsletter coming out 
today. If you haven't signed up for it yet, go to hoop-ball.com. The newsletter sign-up form is at the bottom of the page. It is completely free, and it's the only place to get that content from Big Brew. Have a wonderful Monday, everybody. Big card tonight. Let's win some games. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.